Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Talking Comics Podcast. It's January 29th, 2020, otherwise known as New Comic Book Day. And you're listening to episode number 427. I am your host, Steve Say, and joining me, as always, is Mr. Bob Ryer. You know, I don't usually like crossover events, but tonight is special. <laughs> ah, Joey Burchito is also here. Yeah, universe shattering, if you will. Speaking of crossovers and guests hosts, at least for a portion of the show, we have Lady B herself, Ms. Bronwyn Kelly Say. Well, thank you so much for having me. Woo! Oh, I should have come up with three names for you. <laughs> Damn it. All right, let's cut this and we'll do it again. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hey, everybody. What is going on? Happy Chinese New Year. Ah, uh, Yes. Happy New Year. Yeah. Joey, I saw you were celebrating with uh, some family, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We all wore, uh, (laughs) we all get the text, like, wear red. Red is very lucky in Chinese culture. So we all wore this, like, shade of maroon, (laughs) and we all match somehow. It's it's, it's very, very wild. Yeah, wonderful. We had a great meal. It was fantastic. Um, And I don't know who publishes the, you know, top five places to go on Chinese New Year, whether it's BuzzFeed or the New York Times or whatever. But there was a lot of white folks at the Chinese restaurant on Chinese (laughs) New Year. And hey, welcome. It's great. You know, come and celebrate with us. But every year we go, I always look around and I'm like, huh. (laughs) One of these things is not yeah. like the others. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's hard because it's like we go to we we go in Chinatown, you know, where my grandparents live. So it's like the proximity to Brooklyn is very high. And uh and it it and that's who I see at the tables, right? These young uh let's say gentry of New York is what we'll say. Uh-huh. <laughs> Amazing. I'm glad you had a good time. So you're the rat, right? You're the rat. This is the first year the cycle has started over. Uh, oh. The rat, the 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 myth, the the traditions is you know the the Jade Emperor invites the twelve creatures of the zodiac to dinner, and the the first to arrive is the rat. Um, so he gets he gets first first dibs on Aww. the year cycle. Uh, surprisingly, in a family of you know, uh, my grandparents had five daughters and there are 13 grandchildren. Surprisingly, there is not a rat among us, um, wow. which is, yeah, very interesting. Um, but they're out there and Hey, it's uh, the year of the rat. So this is your most unlucky year. So just tough it out and, uh, everything will be great. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we need is another unlucky year after 2019. Yeah. 
Yeah, right. Womp, womp, womp. Uh, All right. Uh, speaking of, uh, well, not lucky, but uh, fortunate and lovely and nice news, we actually have a little bit of an announcement. I don't know which one of you wants to handle these congratulations, but either Bob or Joey. Joey. Oh, yeah, Joey, I got it. I, yep. I just received an email before we went on the air today from a contributor extraordinaire to the uh, Talking Comics website. Uh, Mr. John Burkle and his family <laughs> welcomed a new baby today. Yay! Uh, so Yay! Congratulations to him and the family. Um, health and we prosperity. You have a rat in the house. You're rat in the house. <laughs> Love it. Uh, I will say this about John. He is so, it's just so amazing and he loves comics so much. Uh, he sent me the email and now, like saying, Hey Joe, just want to let you know, we have a new listener to the podcast. The, the newest baby Burkle was born today. Also, while my, while my wife was in labor, I was reading all the Dawn of X books and I have a piece ready to go that I'm interested in writing. I'm like, John, slow down. You yeah. just had a baby. Celebrate. How, soon will a, how soon will a baby be writing for the website <laughs> yeah, is my exactly. question. Uh, but John just, you know, he puts together the best stuff for us and, um, Congratulations to him and his family and uh, lots of health and prosperity to the new baby. Absolutely. Yes. Congratulations. That's awesome. Uh, Also, as another reminder, our uh, exclusive interview with Ryan North that uh, Bob and Joey had uh, put together for us went live last Thursday. So if you check your podcast feeds or your downloads, uh, you will find that there. Uh, I've been told that it was a lot of fun. I've not had the chance to listen to it yet. Went all, but I, went all over the place, which oh, was yeah. perfect. Sweet. We started with Dinosaur um, Comics, went all the way up to the present day. Did some Oh my god, I miss Dinosaur Comics. I used to read that all the time. Oh, it's it's still going. We talked about I that. I was like, just haven't read it in forever. Yeah, I should yeah. go back to it. But people well, still check are. his Twitter feed. Yeah. I was like, I was, I, I we were talking, and I was like. What blows my mind is like when the when social media was just beginning, people were sharing dinosaur comics. Yeah. Um, and he was like, "Yeah, it's it just it it just lives in perpetuity." And still right hilarious. <laughs> it is hilarious. <laughs> is it the same panels over and over again? Yes. Yeah. It, That's it amazing. Took me, it took me like three or four years. to get there. Damn. Yeah. It's... <laughs> Don't ever say you can't make comics when somebody has been as successful as he's been with that comic and only using the same four panels. And like I remember reading those and oh god, I don't know if it went all the way back to university, but it's been a long time. I remember reading them and not knowing that it was Ryan North who was producing those. Well, Weird. when he did them, he wasn't Ryan North yet. <gasps> you know, it was way, way back. Yeah. It was just some I Canadian named Ryan North. Yeah. <laughs> Who now does a little bit of everything. And and one thing we talked about in the interview, you've seen this already, Steve, he's doing a little power pack miniseries. Oh. Yeah. I did broke, see something about that the other day. Yeah, it broke just before he came on the air. Well, let's hope it's got more success than Future Foundation, because that was a huge shame. Yeah. yeah so, fun book, but... That still stings on me, as I'm sure it does for others as well. Yeah. Just release it as a graphic novel. Right! Yeah. Come on, Marvel. Come on, we can't Marvel. can't do job for you. This is ridiculous. All right. I think uh, I think this is the first time since the new year that oh we're bringing the lightning round back. <laughs> 
So I think we're going to have our special guest go first because yeah. uh, you're going to have to. This is a very short, limited guest spot because <laughs> you're going to disappear on us in not too long a time. It's true. It's true. I'm here and then I'm gone. Batman. <laughs> Distraction. <laughs> like wind through a He's fence. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to put five minutes on the clock for you. You know the deal. If you need more time, just take it and go. Okay. Well, I'm going to kind of go all over the place with this lightning round, so bear with me. But first things first, I want to talk October Faction. So, full disclosure, I went into watching this because we're talking October Faction, the show, the Netflix show, as opposed to October Faction, the comic. So I went into this watching with absolutely never having read the source material. So that definitely makes a difference. Um, I got to start with Megan Follows because as a Canadian, hot damn lady, <laughs> acting, directing from and with an E to boss with a B, I'm here for it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. I loved every second of this in all of its comparatively low budget glory. I grew up on Canadian sci-fi and when I got to watch TV, that wasn't Doctor Who, I mean, um, so this is nostalgic, even though I haven't actually read the source material. And so I got to tell you, when it's good, it's good. And when it's bad, it's great. <laughs> um, it's got just such a beautiful cast. It's got a wonderful family chemistry. The facial expressions on the kid who plays Jeff sell every scene. Um, and all of these actors have that hint of familiarity because I have watched them on every minute of CanCon that I've seen in everything that's been filmed in Hollywood North, be it Vancouver or Toronto. So this show has everything for me. Maybe it could use a few more monsters, I'm not going to lie. See aforementioned low budget, but I love the practical effects. <laughs> um it, this show is just fun, F-U-N. It may not entirely satisfy fans of the source material. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> from what I understand, it is a pretty different take. Um, but taken on its own merits from a fresh perspective, this was entertaining, beautifully diverse romp, and I am fully down for season two. Hmm. I just, I loved it. I enjoyed it. It was just fun. It wasn't super serious. It had serious moments. It was entertaining. There were a couple of heartfelt moments. Yeah, the heartfelt moments that were there were really solid. Yeah. There was some really positive and good messaging uh, in that show every now and again peppered in. I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, Sabrina, season three. I have not finished it. We are three quarters of the way through, so I, I cannot speak to the conclusion. That said, wild ride so far this season. This this whole season has been a little bit extra, and I am so excited about it. It's just been awesome. It's so much fun. <laughs> You're cracking me up over here with these buzzwords. <laughs> she's trying to get a blurb. Leave her alone. No, she's amazing. <laughs> I just, it's, it's exciting. It's fun. It's just everything we've come to expect from Sabrina taken up one tiny notch. It actually has had a couple of really spectacular performances for me especially out of the kid who plays nicholas really enjoying what they've done with his character arc this season i feel like it's really authentic to the places that he's been and that's saying something considering how mm, out 
there. The places that he's been have been. (laughs) (laughs) I just, Ms. Wardwell, every minute that she is on screen, I am a happy lady. So give me more Ms. Wardwell all of the time. But having Ms. Wardwell and Lilith, oh, this is so good. So yeah, I'm I'm down for Sabrina season three. This is exciting. I'm looking forward to finishing the season. I just realized that Nicholas Scratch and the Sex Demons is an amazing band name. Hell yes. Yeah. I'm taking it. It's mine. <laughs> Can't have it. Um, as for comics I've actually read this past week, um, I finally got caught up on BB Free number two from Boombox, created and written by Gabby Rivera, illustrated by Royal Dunlop, colors Oh my God, Colors, <sighs> by Kieran Quigley and with Sarah Stern and Jeremy Lawson, with letters by Jim Campbell. We're back in the swamp with BB and just as happifying as issue number one. This color palette is out of this world. It is so spectacular and I just, I can't get enough. I love the design of this book, the characters, the landscape, the layouts of the panels. Visually, this is one of my favorite reads. It's just pleasurable. I'm excited to see where Freedom 15 is leading. But honestly, like the thing I love about this book is that the act of reading it brings me pleasure. The story is fabulous. The characters are fabulous. The colors are fabulous. The art is fabulous. The line work is fabulous. The letters are great. I just, everything about this book brings me pleasure. So that is a fun, fun read. Um, On a very different note, but I liked it just as well, is Heartbeat. Also Boom Studios. <laughs> Everything is Boom Studios actually this week. Um, story and art by Maria Lovett, lettered by And World Design, translated by Andrea Rosenberg, and I gotta tell you, I think she did an amazing job. Original language in Spanish. High school romance with a twist. A taste for blood. <laughs> it's a very, very, very different tone, both visually and story-wise, and somehow just as beautiful as BB Free. Trigger warning, however, suicidal thoughts and images of abusive bullying. This is not going to be for everybody. It's not a happy book, but it is a compelling read. The way the images and the words flow together is just incredible and evocative. It's, it's, very, it's very intense. Every panel kind of sucks you in and you just, you kind of want to see where you're going with it. And finally, and I'm sorry it has taken me so long, I'm going to invite everybody else to join me on this particular journey. Something is killing the children. Yes! (laughs) So, written by James Tynion. I'm sorry if I've said that wrong, Tynion? Tynion. Tynion. Okay. Illustrated by Werther Deladera. Yep. Color by uh, Mikel Muerto. Uh, Lettered by End World Design again. I like. I like End World Design work um three words erica slaughter's eye i think you can see both the weight and the end of the world in that one over large eye she shows we can't handle seeing the other one (laughs) honestly four issues is not enough of that book it's just not there'll be more i can't wait oh yeah i think the fifth one actually comes out this week yay yeah (laughs) So I think that's it for me for lightning round. Thank you so much. Um, anybody have any comments and or questions for Bronwyn? I do, but it's not about the book. So if you have a book question, we'll do do the books. Okay. 
Anybody? Uh, I I am so eager to catch up on BB Free. I kind of fell off it because of all the uh, award show stuff that we had to catch up on. But that book is just so 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 glorious wonderful um and i'm glad to hear that it it keeps up in the second issue and erica slaughter is the freaking best i it's just that book i love that book so much it's so good it's so good i love it just her uh, i don't know it's seasoned to your soul (laughs) yeah 100 percent she looks off the page and i'm just like ah hi (laughs) i have one of the uh her like handkerchief thing with the teeth uh, they gave it out at the boom panel. Oh, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, it was awesome. I need that because I want to cosplay Erica Slaughter so bad. I'm not gonna lie. And that's Ooh. where I first saw at that boom panel is where I first saw pages from BB Free. It's all coming back to me now. Like that, they were talking about Erica Slaughter, and then they introduced Royal Dunlap, whose art I think just makes that book. It really does. Um, not that and that colors team. Holy oh, crap, that yeah, colors team. It's so beautiful. Um, I was able to watch the first episode of October Faction and the first episode of Sabrina. I wanted to watch more, but um, I stopped watching October Faction so that I could watch some Sabrina. My only criticism with Sabrina, and it's this criticism that I've had from the beginning, is I just don't have an hour plus to dedicate to an episode of television. <laughs> it, they're so long. There's episodes are so long. They're 56 minutes, man. The first <laughs> episode is over an hour. Yeah. It's, it's mm. giant size. First issue. Yes. You know, you know the way it works. <laughs> I look, I love Sabrina. It's, I love the aesthetic. I love the characters. I agree with you on the Wardwell Lilith stuff. I was, when Lilith showed up, I was like, Oh, I wonder if we're going to have Ms. Ward. Oh, there she is. Here we go. Yeah. She's doing both. She's just a phenomenal actress and does such good work there. Um, but I, I genuinely cannot do more than an episode at a time. Um, and I was talking to Steve off air with the, like, I think Mandalorian, like having to do that week by week, I was like, yeah, why was I like binging so hard? (laughs) Like it, 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 I think, uh, I, I really, with Sabrina in particular, I can do like one episode and enjoy it. And I just have to move on to the next thing. Um, I loved October faction too. I watched the the first, like the pilot and a half. Uh, I agree with you. Canadian sci-fi continuum was one of my favorite shows. I love that show so much. Yay. You watched continuum. Hell yes. I watched continuum. That show was amazing. Um, uh, but I I loved it. I thought it was so fun. I thought the 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 performances were great. Um, I agree. I was expecting to see more kind of monster stuff and maybe something a little bit darker. Uh, but I was kind of <laughs> glad to get the kind of pulpy family uh, melodrama that we were getting. It was it was really fun, and I, I'm very eager to finish that series um, over the course of the next next few days. Uh, and I, and I found out before that I reviewed October faction number one Amazing. for the site in 2014. Oh my God. That's awesome. I yeah, was, to hear it. I was not too fond of it. <laughs> uh, and, and I'll spare everyone some of the, uh, some of the, some of the specifics. All I'll say is my verdict was skip most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> 
But well, the, so maybe having a fresh take yeah, from the show is a better uh, better way for you maybe to Maybe if I went back, but I think that that's I think that's the thing and I, I'm interested to hear, you know, I, Steve, you were kind of making some quips over there and I know Melissa yeah. is a big October Faction fan as well. Um it's I mean, though that book is hardcore like Steve Niles Damien Worm horror like to yeah. a T in terms of the moodiness and the the grayscale of it all. The television series is not that. The television no, series is much pulpier, much funnier, much more modern in its in its kind of contemporary feel. Um, and I was there for it. I really enjoyed it. I'd be interested to go back to the IDW series and see how I, I respond to it. But reading through this review, it is hilarious <laughs> how much I was not into it. It was um, the early days. It was as, the a early ca- days. as a counterpoint to Joey's rave review, yeah. <laughs> having read all but the last, uh, they they did a spinoff series for October Faction, I think last year or maybe the year before. I've read at least three volumes worth of that series, and it's outstanding. It is a lot of fun. It is basically the Adams family as monster hunters, and it's it's quite, quite good. The show that we got on Netflix, in my opinion, is not October Faction. It is, but it isn't. Uh, October Faction, like Joey, Joey was saying, the grayscale of it all, the cobwebs, the macabre nature of it. I really, really enjoyed October Faction a lot. I had a lot of fun with it. I laughed a lot. Like I said earlier, there are some moments where uh, the messaging particularly dealing with uh, relationships and identity and kind of owning up to that sort of thing that I thought was really powerful and really well executed. Uh, And then that character, Jeff, would go and do something that would just completely piss me off that seemed like well out of character. But whatever, he's a teen going through some major stuff, so I'll I'll forgive him. Uh, Definitely could have done with some more monsters maybe they're saving that for a season two if this gets a season two and a bigger budget yeah and a (laughs) little bit of a bigger budget some of the stuff that they pull in that show is so i'm just gonna say it it's so cheap that it is outright endearing but i had fun it was so yes yes so good 110 percent i look nothing Nothing that I say now is to try and deter people from watching this show. You should really check it out. At least give it a shot. But, like, even the title card. The title card is so hard 80s. It's brilliant. It's great. (laughs) But when they're in the car, they do a lot of, like, conversations and talking in the car. The windows. Oh, my God. Look at the windows. There. It is the fakest background moving as we're driving the car. Like you couldn't hitch that thing to a trailer and just drag them and, and fix a camera to the outside. It was, it's so laughably bad it was amazing. that I loved it so much. Every time that they were in the car, I sat straighter up in our, on our couch. and was so entertained at watching the fuzzy trees and blurry cars go by. It's amazing. You know, they're just trying to make it work. Uh, no, I-, I know, dude. I, I know. I, I, I just I think when when I think of Netflix and when I think of the budgets that Irishman has, no, well, we're not going to talk about that. I also think for me, I don't know, for my look at something like this, I think of a risk reward ratio, right? Like I think of somebody in Netflix, um, you know, proposing a business plan, sitting around a meeting in a suit, you know, and they're like, okay, we have this October faction. Let's uh, 
it's uh, we'll film it in Canada. We'll throw some Canadian actors in there. We won't actually have to spend that much money. That way, we won't have to make that much money back. Mm-hmm. Um, That's exactly what this feels and like. And this 100%. is what it feels. But you know, like that gives it a much higher chance at success. Mm-hmm. You know, because it doesn't have to make that much money back. It doesn't. It, there's not a lot of pressure on this. This and it feels like it doesn't have a lot of pressure on it. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. It feels <laughs> like they were just like, let's make this like wacky ass yeah. bit of nonsense. And I'm there for it. It's I, so good. I'm with you, Bronwyn. I had a ton of fun with it. I love the characters. <laughs> I love the, the kind of like soapy drama of it all. Yes. It's like if you took like Degrassi. Yeah. And- <laughs> oh my god, it is it like is, a Degrassi. It's Degrassi. <laughs> um <laughs> Here, are you ready for this? This is October Faction Review number one from October 8th, 2014. Yes. <clears throat> Somehow, though, the October Faction feels like a cliche-ridden exposition piece. Perhaps Niles is setting up something larger, but this issue doesn't exactly grab at anything engaging or interesting. Damien Worm's artwork is definitely going to be the biggest draw for horror fans looking into October Faction. His gaunt, twisted figures and dreary, dark shadows do establish an unsettling mood throughout, but the heavy inks and surreal layouts actually detract from a proper understanding of the narrative. At times, I literally had to hold the book up to my face to discern what was happening in the panel. <laughs> oh my god, I must have been like wow, having a bad day or something. Cool that day or something. Yeah, yeah, I must have like yelled at a kid or something. Um, but I'd love to go back and read the whole 18 issue series and, and kind of, uh, see how it goes because, Hey, people liked it enough to turn it into a Netflix series. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I think, see, I think for me, the way that I went into it, like it's on Netflix. So of course, Netflix, you know, they're behind this whole thing. They're overseeing it. And I think, it kind of took me by surprise that it did not feel that way. Like it doesn't feel like a lock and key or a stranger things or anything like that. It doesn't have that kind of backing, but still as somebody who loves both good and bad cinema and good and bad sci-fi, it definitely straddles that line, but it's also got a lot of like great performances from the characters and I would be I would be really happy to hear that they're getting a second season and see them develop some of the personalities that kind of got sidelined in this first season, build them out a little bit. There's a a mysterious character that shows up, uh, I think, toward the end of uh, episode three. Uh, this person is revealed and they could do a lot more with that character. And I really hope that they do. I got very excited when I saw them and I was like, Oh, they're doing it. And then they kind of did it. And then I, I was, I was okay. <laughs> I wasn't great. I was okay. So I was great. super fun, super fun. Definitely. It's not to be dismissed. Definitely taste it. See if it goes down well and just in, enjoy it. What? That wasn't rude or nasty. It was fine. Oh, come on. Um, See if it's to your liking and, you know, just have fun. Just have fun. Okay. Yeah. Bronwyn, I have a question for you. All right. Hit because me. I just became aware of a television show that I've quickly become a fan of, and I'm not trying to find out all I can. I want to speak to someone who might have seen it. Um, it is 
a Canadian-Japanese anime mm-hmm. based on an Italian comic book by two Argentinians <laughs> from the year 2000, and it's called Cyber 6. Oh, my God. Yes. It's incredibly stylistic and bizarre, and I, I love this thing. I freaking love Cyber 6. Oh, my God. I forgot all about that. Yeah. Oh. It's this, uh, it's this female superhero who's actually a cyber warrior escaped to now protect her little city. And it's got all sorts of henchmen and evil scientists. It looks like Japanese anime, but not exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, yes. like, it's sort of that cross with Eon Flux. Yes. In that sort of stylishness. And there's this really interesting plot point where this female warrior, her secret identity is a male school teacher. It it's a fascinating show. Yes, it goes to a lot of all sorts of odd identity things. There's a there's a damsel in distress who's the guy, the, the big dopey blonde guy who seems to always need to be rescued, episode by episode. But it, they're on YouTube. But I'm trying to find the DVD. I found a place called Family Video that said they had it, but now they're back ordering. But it does seem to still be available. There's only 13 episodes. Uh, we it's should on YouTube? That's amazing. We should on check YouTube. the beat goes on. Yeah. Maybe we could send it back with Lauren. That would be amazing. Let's definitely do that. Yeah, Bob, we'll take a look for you around here and see if we can't pick it up. Okay. Uh, Lauren's actually coming to visit uh, Wednesday evening uh, oh, nice. into the weekend. So if anything, if we can find it, we'll send it home with her. Yeah, definitely. I can always cancel my back order. But I... I forget where I saw it. It was just random looking on Twitter or whatever and somebody's. And there was this, a, a clip of the show and it was just so stylish. And I, oh, look, it's on YouTube. Holy crap. Oh, <laughs> my God. You're bringing me back, Bob. <laughs> Cyber Six. Cyber yeah. Six. Yeah. Take a look at what what the opening looks like. It's got a wonderful theme song. It's cool. pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing is that. Uh, Aeon Flux and things like Liquid Television have been getting a lot of mentions on this podcast for the past couple weeks. And that is not the only time that Liquid Television will come up uh, this episode. Oh. Yeah, a little something, a little tease from my lightning round. I'm, I'm pretty I'm, excited that CanCon is coming up from the New York side of things. <laughs> hey. Both from yeah. Joey and Bob, as well as you. What's that, a boot, eh? <laughs> <laughs> the process of uh, booting. <laughs> oh <laughs> you guys are so cute <laughs> all right my dear uh are you going to take your leave i think i am i'm sorry i wish i could spend the whole evening with you guys but... all right why don't you tell everybody super quick where they can find you and uh maybe give us a little tease for the next ladies of valhalla episode okay well you can find me on all the things at shiny baby b and please join us for the next ladies of uh, ladies of valhalla episode uh you can find all of our old episodes at ladies of and for our next episode which will be coming out on the second friday of the month for february we're going to be doing um oh my god words conspiracy of ravens thank you <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which I am actually very excited to talk about. So Sarah brought this book to to our show, and uh, she's been talking about it and raving about it for, oh God, months now at this stage. So I'm pretty excited to uh, have a good conversation with her. So Ravens about it? Ravens about it. Ah, uh-huh. Come on. Oh, hey, yes. By the way, <laughs> yes. Bowman, I'd like to thank your, you and your ladies of Valhalla, because I am in the midst of every heart of doorway, which I am absolutely <gasps> adoring. 
Oh my god. Okay, you need to email me the minute you are done because we have to have deep, deep talks. Okay. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Can I ask you before you go as well? When you did the Kelly Thompson piece, yep. did you talk about Girl Who Would Be King? Uh, we haven't yet. So I am reading it right now, uh, day by day on the train. It is wild. <laughs> Yay. And it's wild to read that knowing six years down the line, she's writing all these books we love. Um, right? But hey, anyway, just wanted to ask. <laughs> no, I know. I know. I'm going to be bringing that one at some point to the table. But have you read Story Killer yet? No, I have not. Okay, you you got to because it is so much fun. Cool. And we are starting to try and badger her into rating number two. So <laughs> <laughs> we've actually offered to to run her like Kickstarter campaign, and like Jess, Jess is all over it. <laughs> the mission of the Ladies of Valhalla podcast is to. <laughs> yeah. I got a question uh, as a uh, as a proud patron of Ladies of Valhalla dot com. Yes. Do I get to suggest another podcast? One hundred percent, you do. <gasps> I, sometime this year, you can decide when, I would very much like, because I know none of you have read it yet, A.S. King's Dig. Done. I would absolutely love to hear you guys dissect that book. Hell yes, another chance to read an A.S. King book? Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, not a problem. <laughs> All right, so is that it? Did you give your, your Twitter handle and stuff? I did. All right, cool. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to have more lightning rounds and uh, a little bit of news and whatnot. We'll see you in a bit. Thank you to Bronwyn for joining us for a time. It was a lot of fun. I always love it when she uh, she pops on. Sarah will be back to the show uh, in the coming weeks. We she has uh, she's taken on some new jobs and her schedule is a little crazy right now. But as soon as it gets sorted, do not worry, she will be back. Uh, I too miss her melodious voice. <laughs> All right, Bob, are you ready to do a lightning round? Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, I'm putting five minutes on the clock for you, and go. Okay, leading off is Captain Marvel 14 by Kelly Thompson and new artist Lee Garbett. Colors and letters by Tamara Bonvion and Clayton Cowles, naturally. This is part three of The Last Avenger. Uh, no spoilers, but so far, Carol has decapitated Thor and killed Iron Man. <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. Next on her list is the Black Panther. But has she met her match this time? And if she loses, the consequences of possible loss are too horrible to contemplate. Uh, the storyline by Ms. Thompson continues to be a fantastically twisted bit of fun. And with new artist Lee Garbett doing fine work as well. Now, doo -doo 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 -doo, we re-enter the Simone Zone with three books featuring the work of Ms. Gail Simone. That's great. Thank you. Seven days number four means humanity has only three days left before everything ends, and Earth's enhanced beings are trying to bring the fight directly to the plant's would-be conqueror. That's a hit-and-miss proposition so far. Lots of sidebar issues, wonderful characters, 
well-paced and played action sequences, and you add uh, Miss Simone's signature humanistic silings. Again, I know nothing about Catalyst and, and Lion Forge, and I'm just loving this book and these characters. Birds of Prey Giant Number 1 opens with a story by Gail Simone that returns her to the team that she wrote brilliantly, although there's no Babs this time around. You see, Harley Quinn wants in on the action to help take down a crooked hospital project, because as Harley puts it, I'm trying to do gooder, act better. It's just a great, it's a great little story to lead off a hundred page issue, hundred page issue that features new Huntress and Harley stories, plus some really nicely chosen reprints, and it's it's really a steal at just $4.99. Not $4.99, but still a great bargain, even even at $9.99, considering the contents was Wonder Woman 750. Buy well, I don't know, everybody. It's too hard to list them all. This is the first legacy-numbered issue. I'm not so certain that these numbers work out, just like the way Marvel did, but anyway. And it opens up by finishing the Steve Orlando G. Willow Wilson arc with a really beautifully done story with Cheetah and the God Killer, some really special interaction between Diana and Barbara Ann, which is the only way Diana refers to her, and that is just so touching. Now, just a nice, nice tone that sets up. Uh, I don't want. I, I we we spoke to Steve Orlando, but it was not for publication. Sets up some nice stuff moving forward. Oh, insider info. Insider info. I see. As, yes. Now, as promised, Gail Simone is also on board with Colleen Doran uh, for a story featuring Gail's star blossom character, a lovely tale of mothers and daughters. There's a great Greg Rucka, Nicholas Scott story, another by Mariko Tamaki, a really stylish bit by, what do you hear this pairing? Shannon and Dean Hale with Riley Rossimo on art. What? Yes. We get a visit to the DC Bombshell Universe by Marguerite Bennett and Laura Braga plus a tearjerker featuring Silver Swan entitled Always by Vita Ayala. Ooh. Yeah. This special issue finishes off with a story by Scott Snyder and Brian Hitch that collectors, pay attention, this might just be the first inkling manifestation of DC's 5G universe. The 39 New York World's Fair is set to open, and Diana appears for the first time to save Franklin Delano Roosevelt from an assassin's rocket attack. Of course. Uh, I'm I'm just going to say it all together. This was a wonderful way, sorry, to celebrate the milestone <laughs> event. Ta-da! <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. That, all right. So now, now I'm going to have to pick up the Wonder Woman. I wanted to get it, but now I'm convinced. And Birds of Prey. Do you think that DC came to, to Gale and was like, Listen, Birds of Prey is coming out real soon, and Harley needs to be in this book. Do you think she would have been a part of the equation if it were not for the movie, Bob? Yeah. Oh. She loves, she's, she's, she's loving the movie. Mm -hmm. from what she's saying on our, our Twitter feed, loves the ladies that are in it, loves the idea that we have this going forward. I just recently saw an interview with Margot Robbie where she was saying they could probably have not gotten a Gotham City Sirens. She she knows the she knows the the product. Mm -hmm. But for her, the idea of Birds of Prey was that it with the ever-changing cast of characters, every movie, if they want to do more of them, if it's successful, they can keep bringing in new people and have a lot of fun with different combinations. True. 
And so I think Gail's on board just for, just with that, if nothing else. She does a great job with Harley here, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds like it was awesome. So Captain Marvel number 14. Yes. <laughs> when did Thor get a skull and crossbones eye patch? I like it, don't you? Yeah, oh, I totally dig it. I just, I'm looking at this again, and I don't know why. I think I took note of it when I first read it, but I was like, eh, whatever. But now that I've I've been reading a lot of Thor this past week, I'm like, when did he get this thing? I have to say, not that anybody listening to this show can see it, but if you if you want, go and pick yourself up uh, Captain Marvel 14. On the very first page, there is a look on Thor's face he is so incensed at the idea of the people that be only cloning his head. He goes, they only cloned Thor's head? What has happened to my beautiful and majestic body? And he's just all torso and hands and just, he's aghast. And it's hilarious. And I love it. I really, really, I would love to see or love to read Kelly Thompson doing like a Thor one shot or a Thor mini I feel like she could have so much fun with this mm-hmm. character. She writes a great Thor. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man, this this uh, this arc has been really, really cool. Captain Marvel's been making all these crazy moves and taking mm-hmm. Avengers out left and right. The villain is positively terrifying, the design yes. of this character. Uh, now, is this an old character or... My understanding is that it's from the, again, we mentioned it last time too, like one of those infinity something or other events. Yeah. Events. It's, it's, it's relatively recent. Okay. Something Jerry Duggan spun up or something. I believe you're so, right. So yeah. plucked from a tie-in. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Okay. But given so much negative agency in this book, it's just like you saying, very creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah really ultra evil and thankfully we got captain marvel on the case yeah it's lee garbett right is that is yeah mm-hmm. i love yep. i love the artwork i think it's a ton of fun um and different from skyward very oh, different 100 yeah. i love it it's it's a really great arc uh the final panels are fantastic and i it just makes you want to pick up the next issue you know um captain marvel great series mm-hmm Award-winning. Uh, Award-winning. Talking comics yeah. award-winning. Award-winning. <laughs> uh, How did you people vote yeah. for Captain Marvel? And <laughs> seven Days, I'm also really enjoying Seven Days. The only thing that I'll say about Seven Days is I don't know what else to read. You know? Yeah. like I hear you, I, yeah. I'm introduced to all these characters, and like Bob said, like I'm having a ton of fun with it. I'm into it. It's weird and... It's cool meeting all these new figures, but I wish there was like a go read this or like, yeah, a, like a page in the yeah, back. Yeah. Something to like yeah. run down. And look, it, part of it's on me for not doing the research, but like something to say, Hey, if you're really enjoying this new crossover, cause I anticipate that a lot of people are jumping on because a, you got Gail writing it. And I think that's huge. Um, but it's a big crossover event, and I, I, I personally would love if Lion Forge was like, "Hey, are you enjoying this uh, Catalyst Prime event? Here's some of our old series that you can check out, or like, you know, mm-hmm. check out this series, or check out here's where this character is first introduced." Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be a lot of fun. 
Uh, yeah, they have a three-page preview at the end, but it, it drops you into the middle of a story and doesn't really yeah, help matters any. Exactly. So I, I don't know. I'm loving it, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, I'd be really interested to see what the legs are for uh, Catalyst into expanding readership of Lion Forge more broadly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do Do we get left in a place where we've met? enough characters that we then relaunch the other books directly from here. Yeah. Especially with like the bad guy squad that's like doing all the crazy stuff right now. Yeah. Like we're like, yeah, hey man, I want that Thunderbolts uh Suicide Squad Catalyst Prime uh seven days spin-off. Yes. Where is it? Like where do I go to find those characters? I don't know. Uh April April or May, I guess, after this all ends. Yeah. Who knows? Unless the sales are bad and everything ends, but I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. But I love. I it. Go, I, yeah, I'm. I, I'm not stunned because it's Gale, but still. Right. I was in the first issue. Uh, I w- I won't say what happens in the first issue, though I did at the time. There's a lo- the, the team suffers a loss, and you're really invested in it, and you've only known this character for eight pages. Oh yeah. But then, but then in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, I want to go back and read this read guy's yeah. like, story. And I don't know. Like, there's no, you know, there's no bibliography at the end that, that would like kind of lead me to, to where to look. I've got an idea. Maybe they should have, before this came out, done a really cheap $7, 100-page giant or whatever with a sampler. Yeah. <laughs> Just throw it out there, uh, Lion Forge, you know? You might want to do that. You're asking a lot there, Bob. You're asking a lot. I know. I know. It would. Uh, it might not be a bad idea. Uh, speaking as somebody who um, buys quite a bit of digital comics, it might uh, behoove them to do some kind of like even a three-day sale that yes. points you in the direction of these characters. I, I think would do wonders uh, for them. But yeah, definitely definitely something to to maybe for somebody to write into or or to tweet us and and let us know what books i know a couple of listeners are enjoying the lion forge stuff i believe uh i believe greg knows a couple of different books from uh that are spinning out of that series or were responsible for this thing being done but uh yeah help us out greg homework 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 do we want to do another lightning round, or do we have uh, any other comments and or questions? Joey. What's up? What's up? It is, it is time. What's up? God. <laughs> yep, we did it. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, Joey, I'm going to put five minutes on the clock for you. Okay. And go. All right, so let me start. I, I tried to do something, guys. I, I really tried, and I just couldn't. So I was going through the internet, and I was like, oh, I got Disney Plus now. What can I watch? And I was like, ooh, Runaways. I really want to do Runaways, but I, I want to be in the right mindset for that. I, I, I have one night. What can I watch tonight? And I stumbled on Inhumans. Oh boy! <laughs> and I and I tr- I I really I just want to let By everybody way, out there know. I I just want everybody to know. I re- I tried. I really tried. I I did the first and I, I second episode. I genuinely it took me three days and I couldn't 
I couldn't do it. I just, I, I'm sorry, everybody. If you love the Inhumans on on ABC's ABC, I hey, power to you. I couldn't do it, and I'm so sorry. I tried, and I was like, "This is the week. I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna talk about it on the show." And I'm gonna, and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I'm sorry. How I'm many sorry, episodes everyone. is it? There's ten episodes. Whoa. It's like eight or ten. It's eight or ten. I don't even know. I couldn't. I couldn't even finish the second one. And then, like halfway through, I was like, "Did I watch this already? Did I watch? Oh. I could have because they split it up into two episodes for the for like it was a lot. the premiere. I couldn't. And everybody's like, "Oh, I watched the first episode. Well, did you watch just half, or everything, did you watch both? It was so weird. Everything about that was just. It was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. I couldn't do it. But then uh-huh. I did. Then I did October Faction and Sabrina, and I was like, okay, all is all is much better in the world. So I'm sorry, everybody. I tried. That's I'm just gonna get that out of the way. That's uh, I was not what I was expecting. Joey didn't tell us what that <laughs> show was going to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very quickly, I want to say Batman '86. We talked about '85 last week, and I, I kind of talked about how conventional it was, and and I, mm-hmm. I wasn't as excited for it. '86. I didn't do much to assuage that response, in my opinion. Um, some twists and turns that I think will keep me around for a little while. I love the Destro character. I'm, I'm, I, you know, of course I love Batman and, and, and Catwoman and, and all of that stuff, too. The Tony Daniels art is not something I'm enjoying. It's questionable at it times. Is, I had is, problems with the art this time around, yeah, too. Yeah, it is questionable at times, particularly in the portrayal of, of Batwoman. Uh, sorry, Batwoman, Catwoman. Yes. Um, but uh, I look a Tynan's doing something twisty and I'm interested. Do I think it's something that is going to have the legs of a Tom King run? I don't know, but we'll see where it goes in the next couple of issues. Um, the other thing I caught up with was once in future uh, numbers five oh. and six, Kieran Gillen and Dan Mora. Um, we talked a lot about issues one through four. Uh, I know Sarah is in love with it as well. I love it too. Um, Kieran Gillen, of course, but Dan Mora was one of our almost nominated uh, for mm. breakthroughs. The artwork in particular uh, in the later issues as our main characters kind of venture into the other world um, is stunning. In my opinion, totally trippy, beautiful coloring, uh, really haunting and kind of the skeletons and zombie knights running around big reveals linked to Arthurian legend Excalibur shows up, you know, it's, it's a fun issue. It's a fun couple of issues and it is now extended into an ongoing. So we'll see where it goes from now on, but yeah, I really loved it. The arc is great. Um, and definitely worth checking out if you kind of fell off it or, or didn't, didn't finish the full six. Uh, the bulk of my lightning round, though, I think I want to dedicate to Greg Pak's work over at Marvel right now. I caught up and finished Agents of Atlas. Uh, we talked a lot about new Agents of Atlas during uh, War of the Realms. Uh, mm-hmm. But then we didn't talk much about Agents of Atlas from Greg Pak, Nico Leon, and Pop Chan with Rochelle Rosenberg on colors. Uh, this is the story in which Mike Wynn of the Big Wynn Company, get it? That's so funny. Yeah. He's created yeah. Pan, this interdimensional, border-breaking, culture-spanning metropolis that opens a doorway to multiple centers of the Pan-Asian community around the world uh, and allows access to anyone who wants to experience it for just, wait for it, $1,000 a day. Um 
And always the master of pub- publicity, Mr. Nguyen has somehow managed to have the new agents of Atlas, Luna Snow, Arrow, White Fox, Giant Man, Shang-Chi, Silk, Wave, Crescent, and Swordmaster, led by Amadeus Cho, a.k.a. Braun, in the right place at the right time to fight off some wyverns, a.k.a. two-legged dragons and super serpents, which totally boosts the brand of Pan. We also got this sketchy dude, Isaac Akeda, a.k.a. the Protector of Pan, and it all escalates from there. There's romance, there's fun, there's great kind of Asian uh, kind of references and Easter eggs that anybody reading is just like having so much fun with. Love the artwork, love the storyline, love all the characters. As I was reading through Agents of Atlas, I thought to myself, there are so many characters on the Agents of Atlas right now. Greg Pak was literally like, anybody Asian, put him on the team. Um, and it's great. And I was worried that, you know, there would people would get short shrift. But over the course of five issues, everybody gets their moment. It is an, a wonderful story, um, wonderful story told over the five issues. A lot of intrigue, a lot of mystery. You know, who's pulling the strings? How does Mike Nguyen get, be able to do this? And then the big reveal, of course, is that Mike Wynn is using dragon scales from a dragon who was taken from Atlantis, <gasps> which leads right into this big crossover that's happening on the 30th anniversary of the 1989 summer specials of Atlantis Attacks. Wow. And Atlantis Attacks number one dropped this past week past week from Greg Pak and Ario Arandito. Um, and it was super fun, follows up immediately on the cliffhanger from Agents of Atlas, and it's exactly what you think it is. Namor is like, why'd you take my dragon? And just, you know, punches a bunch of people, and it just kind of sets up everything that Agents of Atlas sets up, and and we're going to run from there. Um, Really great story. If you're reading Agents of Atlas into Atlantis Attacks, it's very self-contained, and I love literally Every single character has their moment. They're all super fun. And speaking of someone who connects with these characters on kind of a cultural level, seeing those little Easter eggs has just been such a wonderful blast. Um, Definitely worth checking out. Definitely worth catching up on if you dropped off Agents of Atlas after War of the Realms. Um, And Greg Pak is just... He's so good. He's just so good. Uh, Everything he writes, I, I just thoroughly enjoy reading. Um... And that's me. <laughs> How does Atlantis Attacks tie in with where we lost a Namor in Avengers? There's uh, literally sorry, Invaders. Invaders. Sorry. There's literally a line where Namor and his like his advisor are like are like, man, we just finished a war with the surface world, and now we're back at it again. And that's yeah. <laughs> and that's a, that, that's about it. They kind of just like go okay. from there. Um, but Namor's like, hey, if anybody crosses me, I'm coming for them. Um, and the dude like literally just like rides a wave like towards the world, towards the pan, and he's like, "I'm coming for you, Imperious Rex!" And he just like <laughs> tackles somebody. It's it's awesome, so fun, so boisterous, um, and the characters are great. I love Luna Snow. I love uh, White Wolf. I love um, Crescent. You know, the little girl who has like that demon bear thing. It's it's yeah. so fun. Um, and you're know, just going back to what we were just talking about. All those Agents of Atlas books at the end have those bios that tell you where you can find these characters and what all books right. to check out, what games to check out, or whatever. So, like, I I loved it. I really enjoyed them. Greg Pak is doing some amazing work over there. Um, 
And his Amadeus Cho is growing and, and evolving and coming of age in such a wonderful way. And Silk, too. I love Cindy Moon. What a Who's wonderful character. Um, and she gets some really brilliant moments uh, there, too. Good, good to I'm, hear that Once in Future uh, is going to continue. I really enjoyed those first four issues that we read for our best of. One of my favorite new books of the year. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Bridget McGuire, I love her. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. Outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. So, yeah. No, 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 no. Batman <laughs> 6. You like it. You're liking it. I'm on here's, the fence. Here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I appreciate what Tynan is doing with the book and and taking it in his own direction, uh, a bit darker than uh, where we've been with the bat for the last little while. I think the thing that's keeping me from, I don't want to say loving this book, but from just from really falling in line with this book is the art. I'm really like, there'll be a character that I think looks awesome. Penguin. Penguin is terrifying in this. He he looks so like a like a fishman mixed with a pumpkin and Ooh. penguins he looks just he's like demonic almost. He's got this like jaw these jaws in his mouth, all his teeth are sharp. Anyway, disgusting and I love it. And then there's Riddler. I have no idea what's going on with this guy. I think they explain it uh, in a bit of dialogue when he's talking to Penguin at the beginning of the book. But man, if he doesn't look like Christian Bale from The Machinist. Wow. Yeah. big But with like some hunchback of Notre Dame going on as well. So it's really just a very striking and haunting depiction of this character. Obviously, something has happened to him and he's fallen on bad times, maybe been possessed by something or whatever, but, uh, woof, it's real rough. And then you've got this, I think it's like how many, two, three pages in, you have this like magic Mike moment with all the villains, Deathstroke and and company with their hands behind their heads, just kind of thrusting in the direction of the reader. (laughs) I'm just like, okay, Tony Daniel, let's calm down. So I don't like that. And I really don't like the Catwoman stuff. The the position on her body when she's using this computer, it's so unnecessary. I don't like it. Joey. I agree seen. with you 100%. She's yeah, like looking at the computer and you get the butt shot, but then she's also doing the kind of like twist. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. The Escher girl. Yeah, but not yes. like totally to the point where it's like, that is awful. But just enough that you're like, oh, come on. It's it's a bit much. It's not the most uh, egregious of things that we've seen, but it's definitely in that wheelhouse. And I just it's sometimes I can bypass it and sometimes I don't even notice. I will fully admit that but this time I look, I pause and I was like, oh, man, come on. Anyway, not to bag on that for too long. Things I am enjoying about this series so far, I'm really liking the idea that Batman has new toys to play with. He busts something out. Like, I guess I think we got a glider the last time. And now we get this. Actually, it's kind of a big reveal. I probably shouldn't say what it is. Oh, yeah. Anyway, it's, it's awesome, though. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a new it's a new contraption. It's a new toy for the bat. 
And when he busts it out, because they, they do tease it there, you know, is it ready? Like, oh, no, it hasn't been tested yet. I don't care. Send it to me. These are the coordinates. <laughs> and, he, you know, like it touches down and he's doing what he's doing with it. And I just went. I've never seen this before. Well, I mean, like you've seen James it in like you've seen this it in like fun. gym class when kids were rolling uh, on 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 uh, the scooters. Oh, I know exactly what it is. <laughs> I just, I'm just, I, I was really kind of taken aback. Uh, there's some great action sequences in this. It's a very meaty, wordy arc so far. It takes a while to read. Like I, I really got used to Tom King's kind of uh like stop start poetic rhythm that he had going on for for his batman run and now all of a sudden we've got these like several paragraph conversations between characters i'm just like whoa okay gonna need to add about 10 more minutes to the clock for this batman issue mm -hmm. we move on to something else shit anyway <laughs> penguins loaded up he's got like guns coming out of his jacket it's I'm having a good time with it. I'm I'm actually, and I don't say this about a lot of books, I'm kind of looking forward to when they're like, Tony S. Daniels going to do this book now, and, and we're going to, you know, somebody else is filling in. This is just not the way I like my Bat book to look. But I am enjoying the story so far. You come off the Tom King run with Mikhail Yannin and joel jones and yeah a couple of all the lovely guest artists and it's hard to match that Tony yeah, no, we say were, good artist but these are those other people were special yeah we were spoiled by that and honestly like this is two issues i i've seen tony s daniel do art in other books that i've really enjoyed and yes. so i just for some reason it's it's rubbing me the wrong way this time and i would be curious to see a different artwork set to the tone of the story that Tynan is telling this this doesn't match for me it does in the moments when penguin looks absolutely terrifying but in the the gotham city stuff the stuff with bullock and with batman and catwoman it just doesn't look right it's for me uh glad to hear that atlantis attacks was cool yeah, and that new agents of atlas really really delivered that's great oh yeah it's it's so fun um and just it's so fun reading new characters and reading new characters under the pen and art as well of some really talented folks, you know, um, that's the same thing with what we were talking about with, with strange days, like seven days, sorry, not strange days, seven days. You, you, you put new characters under a pen that you trust and you're going to give it a shot. And when it ends up being something fun and interesting and engaging, you're going to stick with those characters. And, you know, a couple of years down the line, I'm going to be like, man, where's Luna snow at? <laughs> Uh, yeah. I, I want that character back. Um, and I think that Agents of Atlas is, you know, such a wonderful little series that I really hope gets more air and more time. Mm -hmm. For sure. And Once in Future is just outstanding. It's It's wonderful. I love that book so much. I have to read six, but I have read up to five and just a phenomenal book. Totally worth a nomination for last year's awards. Yeah, was a... uh, Kieran was very happy about uh, his his wins and his adjacent wins in multiple categories. He was quite pleased. Which was very nice. Did you know that Sarah and I interviewed him? Oh God, no! <laughs> this is 2020, man. It's done. <laughs> Just kidding. I love it. 
I love it. I love it. I love it. What I also love is I love lightning rounds. I'm going to put five minutes on the clock for myself. See how much of this I can get through. And go. King Thor numbers one through four written by Jason Aaron art by Isad Ribic, colors by Ives Sorcina letters by VCs Joe Sabino. In short, the epic conclusion to Aaron's seven-year run sees Thor, all-father Thor, engaged in a battle with Loki, the All-Butcher, who's now in possession of the Necrosword, a weapon forged for all but one purpose, bringing death to every god in existence and ruin to every realm throughout the cosmos. Ooh, after a magnificent display of power on both sides, Loki is struck down not by Thor, but by the hand of Gore, the god of god butchers. Dun, dun, dun! dun. (laughs) As the series continues, Aaron and company share an epic tale about the end times, as well as what will be left once Thor and what remains of his people are nothing but dust among the cosmos. Meanwhile, Thor's great-granddaughters, Atli, Frigg, and Ellie, team up with an old friend, Shadrach, the Lord High Librarian, in the hopes of discovering a way to vanquish Gore, the God Butcher, once and for all. I really enjoyed the way Aaron and his team brought the series to a close by revisiting so much of how it all began. Throughout the series, Thor, Loki, and Gore speak <laughs> about many of the trials uh, Thor has experienced during the past seven years, and I couldn't help but read in awe while thinking about the totality of Aaron's run. While I admit that I was a bit thrown by the manner in which Gore is defeated at first, I eventually came around to his end being rather fitting, considering how much Aaron has pushed the idea of words and stories holding so much power throughout his seven-year odyssey. Uh, We had made mention of so many endings during our year-end podcast, and Thor is simply among some of those that really stuck the landing. And I was I was happy yet sad to to read King Thor. It was uh it was quite good. So I might have uh might have poured one out, shed a tear for the end of, of Aaron's run. It was sad. Moving right along, staying in the Thor verse, we have Thor number one, written by Donnie Cates with art by Nick Klein, colors by Matthew Wilson, and letters by VC's Joe Sabino once again. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. And that's exactly how Cates' Thor run begins as we're introduced to a Thor who's feeling rather overwhelmed after having become the new Allfather of the realms. As you can imagine, the job comes with an absurd amount of pressure. How exactly does one manage to become the god of gods while still mourning for those that were lost during the War of the Realms? Spoilers for Thor number one. This has been out for a couple of weeks if you haven't read it, skip ahead a little bit. I am, this is your warning. I'm going to spoil this book. Okay. Three, two, one. So, all who are left in Asgard have gathered in the courtyard to hear Allfather Thor's first big speech as the new king of Asgard. Unfortunately, that's precisely when none other than Galactus comes crashing down, seemingly killing countless countless Asgardians in the process. Barely alive, Galactus warns Thor 
of the Star Plague, Marvel's new end-to-everything MacGuffin. In order to stop the Star Plague, uh, otherwise known as the Rot Blizzard, the Blight Storm, etc., Galactus must be wielded as, rea- as reality's weapon against the nothing. Thus, in order to regain his strength and be strong enough to win the day, Galactus must feed. That's where Thor comes in as, get ready for it, Galactus's new herald. That uh-huh. is right. It's all Father Thor, the herald of thunder. <laughs> I'll say, I'll say, I'm going to stop the clock. I'll say this about Kate's Thor so far. It's different. And that's exactly what I wanted after finishing Aaron's run. The last thing that I wanted was somebody to pick up the hammer and just run with all the themes that were already going and not try something fresh. Right. So the whole book has something of a heavy metal vibe to it. The magazine, not the music genre. We've uh, also mentioned, I said this earlier, mentioned this show on the podcast before, but it feels like this issue, if it were animated, it would appear on MTV's Liquid Television. I'm really, really loving the art from Nick Klein. It really suits the tone of the story and just matches so perfectly with the mood and the moments that are happening throughout this book. There's quite a stretch of really getting into Thor's head. And it's not necessarily what he's thinking. It's more in his body language. And like I said, how heavy the crown is on his head. And as he's sitting in the throne, kind of slumped over and thinking about all that was lost in the War of the Realms, all of his new responsibilities, his father being gone for real now. And he's now, you know, the all father. He is the guy, right? That's a big thing. It's a really, really big thing. And and both the words and the art and everything convey that. And I thought that that was a really, really strong way to open up this book, to let you know that we're still dealing with the fallout of what's gone on in Aaron's run, but we're also adding this other wacky element where Thor is now the herald of, of Galactus and he's got to go and like eat a bunch of weapons so that he can be strong enough to face this like star-made death cloud that's coming. I don't even know what it looks like yet, but that's what I imagine it looks like. It looks like so, Galactus from the Fantastic Four Silver Surfer movie. It's a big cloud. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so you also find out that uh, Kate's Silver Surfer Black factors into this as well. I have not read that, actually. But we get the something, I guess, happens in that story to Silver Surfer where he uh, has now he's changed colors. He's not silver. He is um, kind of like when you have like gasoline and water and you see all those crazy uh, colors and the bubbles, all that rainbow stuff. Uh-huh. His, the surface of him looks like that now. Uh, and so he's in this book. And all the former heralds uh, of Galactus, they're all sitting in this council trying to decide what to do. And there's a double cross. It's really, it was cool. Like, it was definitely different, but fun and totally metal. And and I'm, I'm good to check out another issue. I'm really excited to see where it goes. I was impressed for, for as guarded as I was feeling. And I'm a, I'm a Kate's fan. Everybody knows that. I just, it was solid. 
it was solid. It was a promising, promising start. So uh, my time has long run out, but uh, I'll just make a quick mention that I reread all of the new X books that are out there. So from the beginnings, I read Marauders and X-Force and X-Men and Excalibur. And I think that might be it. I'm not reading Fallen Angels or New Mutants. Unfortunately, I just can't afford it. So many books. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, again, I just reiterating, I've said this before. I love that all of these books feel like everybody attended the same meetings and that everybody pooled their ideas to build Krakoa out into this new society. I absolutely, I am so, I wouldn't say obsessed, but I'm, I'm just, I'm enjoying X-Men on a level that I don't think I've ever enjoyed them before. This is, this has been really engaging to me. All of the rules that are in place, the clever ways in which the situations that they're now dealing with as they're trying to become their own sovereign nation while still communicating with the humans and having these portals set up all over the world and coming and going as they please. It's creating a lot of social and political commentary that mirrors quite a bit of what's going on today. And I know that's always been X-Men's deal. I just, I guess now because we're all living in it and I'm living in it and I'm feeling it and I'm seeing it every day that I'm just relating to it a whole lot more. But all of these books are very smartly written. I absolutely love the white pages with all the text kind of filling you in on the little bits in between so that the story can just keep moving. You don't have to spend so much time hashing out all these little details. You could just have a single page that, yeah, it takes you a minute to read it, but it's engaging and it's interesting and it's information that enriches the rest of what you're reading i'm really enjoying it and there's some silly things with it too like there's a something called the x desk and it's this one person that is basically uh like cataloging all of the goings on of krakoa and trying to investigate how things are being done and you know wanting more manpower for this desk and not getting it and so as the issues continue and you read more and more of these documents and these emails and these things they're becoming more and more fed up with <laughs> the system and how it works and how they're not getting any help. And it just, it adds a little bit of, um, I don't know if the word is levity, but it just, it, it gives you a little bit of a break, like a one page break breath of breath of fresh air from all of the, the madness that's going on with these characters and some really, really crazy things are happening to characters Rogue goes full full Sleeping Beauty uh, very early into Excalibur. There's all kinds of crazy stuff going on with Psylocke, and she's now Captain Britain, and Morgan Le Fay is casting magic all over the place, and it's nuts. And like I said before, I just, I love the themes and the issues and the problems that the X-Men are encountering as they're trying to basically form a society and and keep it for themselves and finally be free of you know non-mutant related peoples and stuff like that and there's double crosses going on people are kidnapping mutants and stripping them of their skin 
to wear them into the portal so that they can steal their technology. It's crazy. It's so crazy. And I just across the board blanket statement, absolutely loving the artwork, particularly the artwork in X-Force, which is this really painterly horror esque. Everything is oozing. There's a lot of um, like vegetation and overgrowth and stuff like that going on in the parts of Krakoa that that book takes place. And it's just wild. It's a wild, wild ride. It started with Hoxpox and it just keeps on going. Like I said, the only reason I'm not reading Fallen Angels and New Mutants, uh, New Mutants, I didn't, I didn't really love the first issue, but uh, I just can't afford all these X books. And if I had one complaint, it would be that I feel like I'm missing out on not just stuff, but important stuff that doesn't really get fleshed out uh, in some of these books, even though they're using some of the content from others. I picked up a book, uh, an issue of X-Force the other day. And they went, blah, blah, blah. I went, really? When the hell did that happen? And I'm guessing it was in either New Mutants or Fallen Angels because I had no idea. But anyway, super duper enjoying it. Uh, to no end I, I just I gunned all of them down uh, one after one reading them so 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 good so good cool. there you go that's my my very long winded lightning round yeah <laughs> thanks for catching up man those Xbox are money oh I'm checking every week to see when another one's coming out I think they delayed X-Men number five it's because that was week. due on the 15th of January. No, it's coming this week. Get hyped. Oh, I am hyped, man. I'm very hyped. I'm, I'm, I'm so on board. Like I've never, I, I've, I've gotten into the X-Men and I've definitely read a couple of cool stories throughout the years as we've been doing this podcast. Absolutely. And I've read some of the classic stuff too, and really enjoyed that. Joss Whedon's run, uh, uncanny X-Force was probably my favorite thing before all of this, that I've read that was X related, but um, future past, all that stuff. But yeah, this is just hitting me on another level that I would not have anticipated being so invested in all of these books across the board and following the reading order in the back of the books and, you know, diving into like an issue of Marauders here, go back and read uh, X Men number three. And then move forward to another one and whatever. And it just, the completeness of it is is really impressive. And just the idea that everybody's working in concert with one another. And they're so, the books are so synced up in, in a way that I've not seen in a while. They really, really did, you know, reset everything and create a new status quo for these legendary characters and I'm just loving it. That's awesome. So, what did you think when uh, what's his face got shot in the face? Oh, that was well. That's the thing. Like, they can just come back, right? Because they've got the pause. Yeah, but like it was him though, and you were like, "What's gonna happen if he's the guy that gets shot in the face?" Well, my thing is, is that this Charles Xavier is—he's got a. Like a, like a sinister edge to him when when he he reminds me of Gene Wilder's 
Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka. Get yeah. the- <laughs> he really does. He reminds me where like Willy Wonka's all fun and games and blah blah blah, and then he'll say something that maybe when you were a kid you were just like, oh, it's Willy Wonka. He's having fun. And but as an adult, you rewatch that movie and you're like, this is dark. Yeah. Listen to like, him. He doesn't day, care about sir. what happens to these kids. Yeah. No. Yeah. Totally. They're like, I- is he dead? And he's like, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> you know. Like, and it's not, it's with Xavier, it's not that bad, but there are these, he remembers. That's the thing is that when they, they took him out, there was a a rogue group that got into Krakoa and they shot Professor Xavier right after Hawksbox was done. Issue one of X-Force. They were like, blah, in the face. And it was just, holy, okay. How... How are you going to do that in the very first issue? But the thing is, is that since we've seen him in these later issues that I've been reading, when he's in front of the cameras, he's one way. But when he's sitting around that that round table, if you will, the council and everything, and he's talking about plans for the future, he's he's one way. And then he'll say something that is very I will not forget that they came into our house and took me out, that that was one of their first instincts. And that was one of their first plans. And I have a feeling like that's going to come back uh, a little bit later. So I love it. Yeah. It's so fun. Uh, is Marauders your favorite? Actually, I I don't know. I ha- I'm having a really hard time deciding which one is my favorite. I think, it might be X-Force. Uh, you, yeah, I can see that. I really love that artwork, man. That yeah. art is so sweet and it's so, oh, it's so slimy and everything is covered in this kind of like dew and gloss and that part where uh, Wolverine's always getting messed up. So this is not a spoiler, but man, Wolverine gets it at one point in X-Force and forge is there and he's in this machine he's like almost like alien uh walker aliens walker machine that he's got going on Mm -hmm. and he's just picking up either end of wolverine and smushing them together to try and get him to heal faster (laughs) well you also you also have a thing for uh, uh quentin choir and he shows up in there too yeah yeah, Quentin Choir is definitely one of my favorites. I really, I, I really like Marauders. There was, there was one point I can't remember specifically what it was. There was one point in like issue five or six where I wasn't, I was not tapping out of the series, not at all. But I was starting to feel a little bit of the burn mm-hmm. of that that book in particular just a little bit yeah just a tiny bit that's how i'm feeling with actually with excalibur uh excalibur's a little bit you know what too much of a i think it, i'm sorry i think it was excalibur yeah that, that i was feeling that with it wasn't marauders i am enjoying marauders a lot i'm sorry i've been reading a lot of them all mixed up <laughs> the past couple of days but you're you're right it is excalibur that i was a little um you know what it is it for me i don't mean to interrupt you i'm so sorry oh, you're lightning round. I'm interrupting. I have I have no affinity. I have no, I have no history or anything with the Captain Britain right. uh, stuff, particularly the family drama. Right. That is going on. They're clearly upset with each other, and it's a big deal. 
that this person is back. Yeah. So when Jamie shows up, you're like, I don't give a fuck. (laughs) Right. And that's the thing. Like I, that's a big part of that book. At least this first arc so far is that tension. Mm -hmm. And I, I can feel the tension. It is, it is very clearly depicted uh, both in words and art. It's not that I just, I don't know anything about captain Britain. So when Psylocke becomes the new captain Britain, it was not, a big deal for me in the least mm-hmm. like it just the impact of that i didn't feel it and the squabbling going on like obviously i've read enough x stories to understand that there's you know some really harsh relationships going around but i have no idea what they're talking about mm-hmm. and so those parts of the book don't really fly for me and so far the stuff that i've gotten in in these issues so far because there's only so much time to spend with that thing it's it's reading like i'm already supposed to know why they're all upset with one another and i have no idea from the content that i've got from this series so far right well you got a lot more coming in the next couple of months so and why is that well there's a lot of books uh announced so i mean i think that the money thing is is real uh especially like you know i fell off I fell off New Mutants, just like you said, too, and and Fallen Angels as well. But, you know, coming next month, we have Ben Percy's Wolverine relaunch, as well as Chip Zdarsky's X-Men Fantastic Four miniseries, which mm-hmm. is going to be wild, right? You know, the X-Men Ooh. showing up oh. and being like, hello, we would like Franklin. Uh, <laughs> um, so that's exciting, but that's February. And then March... You have a new Cable book from Jerry Duggan, a Hellions book from Zeb Wells, which are like all the bad mutants who are hanging out on Krakoa being like, yo, let's hang out, which sounds awesome. Um, And then in April, April's wild. Get ready for this. April, you have the new X-Factor book from Leah Williams and David Baldion that I mentioned last week. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have the new Children of the Atom book from Vita Ayala and Bernard Chang. Ooh. Um, yep, and this one is like a team of new mutants who are inspired by all of our favorite mutants. These are like the Gen Z mutant here, like the newbies, all the new characters. Oh, that, that sounds like, like fun. That's I cool. No, and I'm like, all right, I can't not. All right, anyway, so that's April, <laughs> and if that's not enough for you, they're releasing the extended cut of Claremont's God Loves Man- God Loves Man Kills. And over the course of the next three months, Hickman is doing a series of giant size one shots. The first of which is with Russell Dowderman on a Jean Grey Emma Frost issue. Yeah. And then oh. Alan Davis is coming on for a Nightcrawler issue. So it's like X-Men are hitting hard over the course of the next three months. And I got to make some choices, man, because I can't be reading 12 X-Men books. It's not 2007 anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And this stuff isn't being, I think these first arcs aren't being collected in trade until April. Yeah. So, you know, it's, and that's, I mean, you know, you, you decide where to spend your money and whatnot. And, and, but I just, ah, oh, those $5 entry fees for each one. And then they're pumping them out so fast every week that there's something to pick up. I just can't do them all. I yeah. really wish that I could. I mean, I'll tell you right now, that I'm not going to pick up the cable book. I've just never been interested in cable. I know people love Amen. cable. They love them to death. And Jerry Duggan on a cable book sounds awesome. And uh, 
the, the when they introduced the young cable a few few months back um, oh yeah so fun totally but i'm I, i'm not gonna do it i'm sorry y'all if you hey if you read the new cable book and you love it let us know and we will read your response on the air but i don't think that i, I don't think i'm gonna be reading it firsthand x factor we'll see what though, happens we'll x, see what uh yeah what word of mouth is x factor though and children of the atom i am 100 in for those books um whether that means maybe dropping off Excalibur, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know, man. Like as much as as I was kinda sorta tapping out on that one, I don't know that I can let it go. It's a trip and the characters are great. When Jubilee shows up and she's like, Where's my baby? Where's Shogo? And Shogo's like, Aww. I'm a dragon now. I'm like, this is the best book of all time. Yeah, that was wild. That was really cool. And I love the way that they explained that as well. I'll let people read that for themselves. But the explanation of how he could transform was uh, very inventive and very cool. Indeed. So there you go. There's uh, some beefy ass lightning rounds (laughs) for you. Most of the show. So we'll do a couple uh, quick newsy bits. Uh, Let's see here. Before we get to this other one. Oh, let me just say really quick. I forgot to chime in when Brahman was doing her stuff about Sabrina. Uh, I'm absolutely loving the new season. Best ever. So good. Go watch it. It's amazing. Let's see. Newsy, newsy bits. They are making, they've announced another Captain Marvel. So we're getting another Captain Marvel movie. That is, they are not going to keep... Uh, the two directors, I think it was uh, was Ryan Fleck and Anna Bowden. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are. They are. They have another project at Marvel. Apparently, they're they're in negotiations. Yep, they uh, are possibly being eyed for a Disney Plus series. But confirmation that we are getting another Captain Marvel movie with Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. So that is super exciting. Amen. And. WandaVision stands to introduce a couple of characters that I think might appear in said Captain Marvel 2. Oh, we'll yeah. see. Wild. Yep. Did you see the quote from Paul Bettany saying the show is going to be effing nuts? Yes, I did. <laughs> Bonkers, as uh, yeah. as he said. Yeah, it. Uh, I have no idea what that's going to be. I I have a... I have an image of it in my head, but I don't think that it's going to be uh, what I'm thinking. I'm picturing something like Pleasantville meets Ex Machina oh, gone wrong. Oh, that would wrong. be awesome. Right? And How I cool would that be? That's actually probably what it is. <laughs> yes. Oh, I would love... Oh, I would flip for that. That would be so amazing if they took the Pleasantville-ness of King's Vision run and mixed it with that other oh sorry go on ahead bob you were gonna say something. no, no i agree with you wholeheartedly yeah That's we're getting we're it this year too mm-hmm. a little bit early mm-hmm. so that's that and then the other news is that marvel comics has announced that kelly thompson is going to be doing a black widow series huzzah so this was revealed via ign going to be written by Kelly Thompson and features art by Elena Casagrande. Uh, I think this is Kelly says, I think black widow is an incredibly rich character. 
in that she works well in a lot of different genres, but that can also make her a little tricky. If you try to do too much with her instead of committing to a clever vision, I think you can run into trouble. Uh, this is from Kelly Thompson. I'm very interested in the duality of Natasha. So look for that uh, to be a recurring theme in the first arc as she struggles against that and learn and leans into it. So when is this coming out is my question. Probably right around the movie. April. Yeah. There you go. Arriving in April ahead of the Black Widow movie. The new series will feature both Yelena Belova and Red Guardian. Yes. That's, that's cool. Oh, man, I'm pumped. I'm excited for this. I really would have loved to have seen. I wish. Well, but they made it canon. I was going to say, I would love to see the Saskas do another exactly. Black yep. Widow. Uh, I have to. I I. I am excited that Kelly Thompson is is on this book. Absolutely. Of course I am. I just wish they could do both. I wish that the Saskas could have their, their own standalone Black Widow and do something, you know, really, really crazy with her like they did last time. That would be amazing. So, but yeah. who knows? Down the road, she'll be, could always be a really wonderful character to do a lot of things with. And mm-hmm. there'll always be a spot in the schedule. So hopefully we can see Jen and Sylvie on that. Unless they're busy directing, I don't know, Captain Marvel too. Yeah, could you imagine? Black Widow has always um, has always been a, a special series character. Uh, when Rucka did his run, when, um, what was his name? Richard K. Morgan, something like that. It did two short runs there too. Uh, the Saskas, right? It's it, it, Natasha's always been a five-issue miniseries character. They've always just run it that way. Um, periodically, you get some runs here and there. Same way, same thing with Hawkeye. Um, but for the most part, she's always kind of been that that limited series character. So there's no reason why, you know, Kelly Thompson couldn't do this and they're doing all these Black Widow The End stories. Uh, sorry, these all these The End comics right now. Yeah. Wouldn't it be awesome for the Saskas to come back and do a Black Widow The End Issue wow, that yeah. would be spectacular, right? Um, but yeah, I I'm excited for this. We've we've been raving about Kelly Thompson for seems like the better part of the last three years, uh, and her takes on Jessica Jones and Captain Marvel now have just been so wonderful. To see her take a stab at Natasha, I think, is really exciting, um, and the fact that she's thinking about genre makes me very excited because Mm -hmm. one of our criticisms of the most recent web of the black widow series or whatever, was it felt too conventional. It felt too like, Oh, this is a classic Natasha story and there's nothing really exciting or different about it. Unlike what the Saskas were doing with that kind of body horror, you know, uh, uh, very contemporary and, and, and super relevant real world story. Yeah. Yeah. Super relevant kind of espionage story. Mm -hmm. Um, so I I would I'm very excited to see what Kelly Thompson does with it, and I think that the the room is always open for. You know, it's more short run stories on a character like Natasha. Uh, look, if Wolverine can have it, and Cable can have it, and all these uh, Deadpool can have it, like, damn, give mm-hmm. Natasha her shot to have three concurrent series uh surrounding her film um and get get readers reading the character hell yeah yeah that'd be nice right on do we have okay no emails this week or questions 
I think it's time. Does anybody have anything else that they want to mention before we tell people what we're looking forward to reading this week? Nope. Nope. All right. Bob, what are you picking up? It's a really light week. Captain America number 18, which is a little delayed, but it should be this week. Captain Marvel, the end. And I think it's the final issue of Betty Page, Unbound, number 10. Okay. And by the way, I should mention for everyone, previews is out this week. So help out stores and creators and go through that catalog and pre-order your books and give them a shot. Mm. Is there a digital version of previews? Yeah, it's called previews.com. Yeah. Shut up, <laughs> <Joey>. <laughs> <laughs> it's all Tell me what books you're picking up, you jerk. Uh, I, it is not a light week for me. Um, I got Criminal 12. Uh, anybody still reading Sex Criminals? Because that's coming back this week. Ah! Get hyped. Um, Final arc. Yep. I got uh, Invisible Kingdom coming out this week. Captain America as well. The second issue of Hawkeye Freefall. Mm-hmm. Second issue of Star Wars. Uh, X-Men number five coming out. Something Killing the Children number five coming out as well. Um, and I'll probably also check out uh, Captain Marvel The End too. There's also one of the new, those um, gra- original graphic novels from DC, Shadow of the Batgirl, the Cassandra Cain one is coming out this oh. week. And I'm particularly interested in that character and that, that um, trade as well. Yeah, I didn't know that that was coming out this week. Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay. I have a reason to go to chapters tomorrow morning. Cool, man. Yeah, I uh, I am also picking up something is killing the children. Invisible Kingdom, monstrous number twenty five. Monstrous is coming back this week. Weatherman volume two number six is coming out. I am also picking up Captain Marvel, the end. Hawkeye Freefall number two. X Men number five, and Thor number two is coming out. So we'll see if that continues to be a good time. And yeah, so you know things are things are starting to warm up. A little bit. It was a uh, clunky couple of weeks at the start of the year, but I think we're we're starting to be moving and grooving into new book releases and uh, stuff that came out at the tail end of the year really starting to find its footing. And hey, 2020, year of the comics. See what goes on. (laughs) We've reached the end of this week's edition of the Talking Comics podcast, as always. You can send us your comments or questions through our email podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. We are also on Twitter at Talking Comics. Don't forget to check out talkingcomicbooks.com for reviews from our fantastic contributors. And please go check out Talking Valiant, D&D Adventure, and the ladies of Valhalla Podcasts. Bob, where can our listeners find you? Old-fashioned email, Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. Joey? At Jerry Buccino. Jessica is at Jarska for all the things, and Sarah is at Geek Country Lady on all the media that is social, while Bronwyn, again, is at ShinyBabyB on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Dead underscore Anchorus on Twitter. So, for Bob. Congratulations once again to John Burkle and his family on the new edition. For Joey. Adios, chicos. And for me, congratulations, John. Woo! Thank you so much for listening. Be excellent to each other. And until next time on the Talking Comics Podcast, to be continued.
my Google Docs for some reason. I got you, bruh. Check the there, uh, oh. check the chat. Yeah, no, I got it. Thank you. Bruh, I just put it in there, bruh. Mafia <laughs> <laughs> makes a return. Uh, check recording devices. My friend it's Angela's recording. son is just a teenager who started high school, and he calls everybody bruh, including her. Bruh. <laughs> How's it going, bruh? I, I don't know if I could have gotten away with that one. 